in my last video, I talked about how compassion is as much about preventing suffering as it is about alleviating suffering. And that in the context of this COVID-19 pandemic, staying home is a great act of compassion in terms of reducing the risks of transmission and flattening the curve. However, I also mentioned in that video that compassion in this context also comes at a cost. Compassion involves strength and courage and also sometimes involves sacrifice. As you know, we have tricky brains and even when our actions are motivated by compassion, we can still get all caught up in tricky loops of the brain and in some ways lead to greater suffering. Hi, I'm Dr. Stan Steindl and today I thought it might be useful to talk about how difficult emotions can arise when even with a compassionate motivation to reduce greater suffering, staying at home can also lead to more suffering for ourselves. Dr. Scott Miller, who's an American clinical psychologist and researcher and founder of the International Center for Clinical Excellence, has been talking about his concerns in terms of the greater suffering that has arisen out of directives for people to stay home. As he cited, domestic violence reports have increased during the time of the pandemic with emotional difficulties arising for people as they are confined at home with their families. In fact, a number of worrying emotional and behavioral and relational statistics have surfaced as a result of people being confined to home. So what drives all this? Well, from a compassionate mind point of view, we are multiples. That is, we have multiple parts to ourselves that might variously arise in any given situation. Now, I'm not talking about multiple personalities per se, but rather different parts of ourselves, each with their own collections of feelings and thoughts, physiological responses, focus of attention, and urges and motives. And right now, as we all stay home during this pandemic, many of us are probably experiencing the big three. Angry self, anxious self, and sad self. Angry self experiences feelings ranging from annoyance or agitation through frustration and anger, or perhaps even rage or fury. Thoughts like, how dare they make me stay stuck at home, or it's all your fault might come to mind. Angry self comes along with a highly aroused physiological state with heart racing, breathing rapidly, muscle tension, and an urge to fight or attack. And its focus is narrowed in on the target. Angry self is often about transgressions with a motivation to right the wrong or perhaps seek vengeance. Although sometimes angry self's motive is threat protection and fighting off the threat. Anxious self experiences feelings 
ranging from nervousness or apprehension through fear or panic and is often driven by thoughts of what if? What if I lose my job and can't pay the bills and get kicked out of my home? Anxious self is very good at fearful imagination and expecting the worst. It too is highly aroused in the body with rapid breathing and rapid heart rate, but often with urges to hide or withdraw or avoid. The focus of the anxious self is on the actual or perceived threat, which if you think about it makes sense from an evolutionary point of view. If there is a lion approaching, we don't want to be distracted by the lovely flowers nearby. We want to stay focused on the lion. Anxious self is about threat protection through escape and avoidance. What about sad self? Here we might experience a range of feelings from disappointment or dismay through to grief or despair. Loneliness is an important part of sad self at the moment. We've all been abruptly cut off from some very special people in our lives. And we have technology, of course, but it's not the same. And sad self often will feel disconnected and lonely and vulnerable. Physically, sad self may feel weak and lethargic and might cry or take a downcast posture. And the attention of sad self is focused on loss. Sad self is about loss and seeking care, comfort and connection. So these are the big three emotions. And what's even trickier is they all get mixed up together into a painful, mushy soup. It's difficult to tell them apart. And then at times, different selves start to take over. Maybe angry self starts running the show or one of the others. And then all of a sudden we are doing and saying things coming from this very difficult emotional place. What we can try to do is to activate the compassionate self, that part of us that's motivated by compassion that sensitivity to suffering in self and others with a commitment to try to alleviate and prevent it. We can bring the compassionate self to the fore, offering care, comfort and soothing to these different parts of ourselves. We start by bringing it back to the body, finding a compassionate posture, bringing a friendly expression to our face, speaking to ourselves in warm and friendly voice tones and gently slowing the breath. Then we engage with our compassionate wisdom that we have tricky brains that are then shaped by our experiences. So much of what we're going through is not our fault, but we do want to try to take responsibility to understanding our own minds and to understanding the big three so that we can develop our skills to help manage those and to help ourselves and others suffer less. There's a lot to all this, and I highly recommend some recent videos by Professor Paul Gilbert all about bringing the compassionate mind to the problems of the current pandemic. I'll put the links to his videos in the comments below, so definitely check those out if you'd like to know more. 
and see how you go. Bring awareness and understanding to the big three, angry self, anxious self, and sad self during this time. And perhaps activate the compassionate self so you can turn the difficult emotional soup back into its ingredients and offer each one care, comfort, and soothing. I really do wish you all the very best on your compassionate journey during these difficult times.